You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hello, everyone, and good afternoon. Another spectacular day we've got going on, and it's November the 9th, for goodness sakes. Lars, I'm going to throw you something here real quick. Do you know what two weeks from today is? Just do a little um, calendar math. Isn't it Thanksgiving? Yeah. I, I think Thanksgiving it is. Thanksgiving is two weeks away. I know. Fourth, Saturday, fourth Thursday in November, yeah. It's the 9th, that's the 23rd. That's man, just crazy. And you know this. You're not experiencing as much as I am. Older you get, I mean, time is just at warp speed. So that is not my intent to lead this show with. Lars, I want you to define trap game. <laughs> define trap game. Uh, a game in which uh, you play after uh, and an emotional game, uh, usually at night, and uh, especially in college football, uh, and in on front of national television, and then although all games now are on national television, but with a really big audience, uh, a rivalry game where the stakes are really high. And then the next week you have a, uh, a opponent, especially on the road that you should be able to handle, but because of uh, the emotional hangover, sometimes uh, there can be a problem uh, with the favorite team. And it's truly a trap game when it falls in between another important game and in this case it doesn't for alabama uh so it's not a classic trap game but it's a game uh, again traveling to lexington a place that alabama hasn't been for a decade um it's a game that i think uh that alabama needs to you know take this very seriously and it's an early start and um, Nick Saban's teams traditionally, even though the fans don't like the early starts, uh, they traditionally play very well uh, with these uh, 11 o'clock kickoffs and uh, or 11 central. Uh, I think that's when this one is. Is that right? Or is it 12? I'm not yes, sure. No, it's, it's 11 a.m. our time. Yeah, 11 a.m. our time. And, um, and, and traditionally, uh, Alabama's done very well in these games. I think the, the, the players, the one thing they don't like is getting up early. But what they do like is that there's not, you're not sitting around all day. You know, just uh, trying to burn nervous energy, but also trying to save your energy. And uh, that can be a challenge sometimes when you're playing a 6.30 kickoff or an 8 o'clock kickoff. 8 o'clock is just awful. Yeah, uh, especially for those who have to cover the game and especially for those who have to do the post-game show, Matt Coulter. I've done, but, you know... (laughs) I've sat in a lot of lobbies, too. I see the players just kind of walking around, you know, staring at the vending machine, you know, going to play video games or whatever. I think most players would tell you they would much rather play at 11 than 8 or even 6.30, you know. Everybody likes their Saturday nights. I know you and I do. So, you know, if you can get to – the quicker you can get to your Saturday night, the better in my book. But by your definition, this is really – a trap game. The only element that's missing is the fact that Alabama plays UTC. It's a trap. Very next yeah. week. So <laughs> yeah. If if yeah, it's a trap. Uh, yeah, that's from uh, Star Wars. Very nice. Very nice, Noah. Wow. Um, I would have never gotten that. 
<laughs> but you're the Star Wars geek man. I am. I am. And you saw the hey, poster. Let me tell you I something. just got framed. Yes, <laughs> I did. You got this great frame poster for your son. It's fantastic. It actually kind of jettisoned me back. That's not a Star Wars word. But I'll try. Back to the day it was released, because, I mean, that was the release poster. Yeah, but it's the original. I was at Lars's uh, office, was it yesterday, day before? And I was just, you know, I was looking around at your pictures and stuff, and you've got Star Wars stuff in your professor's office at the University of Alabama. I do. <laughs> I, that's, I uh, do. I think it's very interesting. You also okay. have the greatest picture of your children I've ever seen. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, go, let's skip from your office stuff and go back to the trap game. I think this is a game that unless you've had Alabama their season to date, it would be a trap game. But so far, after Texas, Alabama can't take anybody for granted. It doesn't matter. They can't take South Florida for granted. So I think in a sense, their struggles through the season, Lars, will help them Saturday morning. Does Did I make my point? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the game's going to be on uh, on ESPN. And uh, right now, Alabama is a 10.5-point favorite, uh, according to uh, different uh, sports books in Vegas. And the, the total points scored is 47.5. The, uh, the prediction indicator that ESPN uses, that I, the, the win prediction indicator, whatever the formal name of it is, which I really don't believe in, is 85.7% uh, Alabama to win. Um, I think what Kentucky wants to do in this game is to uh, test Alabama's uh, front seven uh, on, on the off on the defensive line, and they're going to try to run the ball with uh, Ray Davis, who's a tremendous tailback. He, he's first in the SEC with 84 points scored, second in the conference. He has 903 yards rushing, and I think what Tennessee is going to try to do is shorten the game as much as possible and and try to grind out long drives now is that going to be a successful way to attack this alabama defense well we really haven't seen anybody run the ball with great success correct me if i'm wrong I haven't seen anybody run the ball with uh, consistent success this year against this defense uh you know texas they did most of their damage through the air um and then uh and, and still and then i think uh alabama they're going to they're going to try to also establish the run right kentucky is allowing uh 101 point 101 yards a game on the ground um which isn't bad that's fourth in the sec uh, they're third in in allowing just 3.4 yards per attempt, but you know if they can run the ball, that just will help open up play action, and and just uh, and and play action can be such a vital part of this game uh, of the Alabama offense, um, and so uh, so we'll see if what 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 the game plan is i i would be surprised if it deviates from what tommy reese what they did against notre dame or excuse me lsu it was so wildly successful matt you'd think it would almost be a, a, a carbon, carbon copy, copy of that yeah it with you know with a few adjustments here and there 
And um, I think it's really important for Kentucky to keep this game close in the first half because Alabama, they are clearly playing their best football in the second half. In the four victories against Ole Miss, A&M, Tennessee, and LSU, Alabama's outscored those four teams 82 to 13 in the second half. Great stat, yeah. Professor and, and, and so that shows you, you know, I think halftime, the, 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 the concept of halftime adjustments gets overblown a little bit because uh, halftime for the players, it is so fast. And it doesn't feel that fast for the fans. But by the time they get in there, uh, they get uh, they get hydrated. Um, they really only have about two to three minutes to meet. They'll meet uh, in their position groups typically uh, with their position coaches, and then they'll meet with the, the, the uh, defensive staff, uh, the defensive players meet with the, the defensive coordinator, offensive players meet with the OC. And then at the very end, Saban will just have sort of one overarching message. So all that takes time, right? So it happens really, really quick. But clearly Alabama is doing something, (laughs) right? They are, uh, they're doing a really good job of realizing, okay, this is what the defense is doing to us. And this is going to have to be our counter move. And uh, conversely, this is what their offense is doing to us. So this is what we need to do on defense uh, to to counteract that. And so they have just been terrific in, in the second half. So for Kentucky to have a chance, I believe, that they have to keep it close in the first half um, because uh, uh, Kentucky, they are 68th in the country. They average just 12.4 points after the half so they average 12.4 points in the second half um which is uh not great so no. again alabama has been playing really really well as of an, in the last month in in the second half last month and a half the arkansas and, uh, game is the lone exception yeah where alabama yes. didn't play well in the second half yeah 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 um yeah alabama's kind of fell asleep there in the second half and allowed arkansas to to, to make a comeback there but um, there's a there's a lot to get into in this game and um, you know we, we have uh, been talking about how excited the fans are in Lexington and throughout the bluegrass state about this contest because Alabama has not been there for a decade and that's always a big deal when Bama rolls into town no kidding and it doesn't matter if it's lexington or if it's fayetteville or any point in the united states of america lars i have coming up an nfl quarterback question for you and also you and i need to take a dive into the most talked about subject in all of college football since saturday night you're listening to big noon sports
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds increasing this afternoon, the high in the upper 70s, around 78. Cloudy tonight, the chance of a few scattered showers, the low at 58. A cooler day tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times. The high tomorrow afternoon is 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Back. Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. Noah. Noah's going to be producing. Unfortunately, Justin Jones has departed. What a good guy and a real pro. Noah, welcome to Big Noon Sports. I know you have produced our show before, but I can't imagine you having more bated breath than trying to be involved and being involved in this Noon to Two show. Of course, my tongue is firmly implanted in my cheek. How are you today, Noah? I'm doing all right. Doing just fine. Just uh, here chilling out, uh, thinking about what's going on in sports today yeah there's and there's a lot of things going on and um i just wanted to do this since you're going to be hanging around in the studio with us for a while give us a 30 second or even longer cliff notes version whatever of you where are you from yeah for sure i am from coleman alabama um for the that's where my parents are right now and uh i studied uh creative media at the university with a focus in radio and uh then i started uh interning here and now i'm here and doing stuff like that in my free time i like to watch a lot of movies so i'm definitely getting excited as we're getting into oscar season because i get all i just my i i love lists my mom called me last night and was like the cmas are happening tonight is there a list of like that, that I can like look and see who the nominees are and I was like no let me find one for you and then I started looking at it I don't even care about the CMAs and I was like oh man now I care about what the what the list is so I love yes, lists. I'm a list guy too yeah. list of movies. the windiest cities list of the top NFL quarterbacks you name it in fact I'll bet we can find it online I used to have a book and the book was called the book of lists and it was fabulous and right now I just want to stop the show put down my microphone and go read that book because I'm a list guy too and I'm a movie guy as well so you and I have a lot in common one question for you Noah what is the best recent movie you have seen oh that's a good question the best recent movie that I have seen I saw I'm I'm a I'm a fan of the Wes Anderson um that guy if you've ever seen any of his movies and he had a movie that came out this summer Asteroid City that a lot, a lot of people didn't really click with them, but for me, it was it was it was nice. It was I, I enjoyed it. Did you see Oppenheimer? I did. I saw that one as well. I saw Oppenheimer. And okay, I saw- so I've wanted to see that. I've heard it's really good. Uh, what what is your what was your uh, analysis of it? Oh, for sure. I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, I think it's always fun to see what Christopher Nolan, the director, does with something like that. Uh, it was it, it took a. A very big story and kind of made it easier to think about by focusing th- uh, on the character of Oppenheimer and what he did and everything. Um, so, because there's there's a lot you could talk about. I think it's, it's based on a book, and it, the book is like probably like 800 pages. So you have to turn that into a movie. But I thought it was interesting. Does Oppenheimer come off as a sympathetic character in the movie? I think he. Co- they definitely could have made him come off a lot more 
less sympathetic. I think they definitely they create they they don't make him seem like a super he's not a super supportable protagonist. He's uh he, he definitely comes off as like, yeah, this guy kind of sucks and everything. Um, but they, they do make you sort of understand him a little bit. But I don't think they, they fully delve into making you completely sympathize with him. Have you seen Killers of the Flower Moon yet? Yeah, I saw that a couple weeks ago. I don't want I, I want you to give me ten seconds because I don't want to I don't want a spoiler. No spoiler here. Uh, on a scale of ten popcorn boxes with ten being the highest, where do you rate it? I'd probably give it like a six and a half. I was okay. in a, I was oh. in a very good mental state because it's like a three and a half hour movie. I was I had my oh. whole afternoon Sunday afternoon blocked out, and I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just here along for the ride. But I can see a lot of people thinking it was it would be boring, um, but I found it rather interesting, especially that time period in American history. I, I I don't really have too much familiarity with, and so I thought it was a very interesting story. It's based on. Um I guess a succession of murders that ended up forming the FBI. Is, is that loosely what it's about? I know the, the, the FBI ends right. up getting involved. I think they already existed, yeah. but uh, okay. yeah, it's a bunch of um, Native Americans uh, who it's very it's, it parallels and it, it's it notes this parallel in the movie as well to like uh, the Tulsa uh, race massacre. Um, yeah, it, it's very Horrible. similar to that, but from Native Americans. Okay. Um, Jeez, I just don't know. I, and this will be my last movie observation. Ha ha. And that's that when movies start getting past about a buck 45, a buck 50, I tend to squirm around in my seat. It better be really, really good if I'm going to sit there for three hours. All right, Lars. Here's well, my I, NFL I, quarterback. I have one more. Sorry. I just want to follow sure, up one more, sure. Noah, because having small children, I don't get an opportunity to go to movies very often. And this is going to sound like a pretty naive question, I'm sure. But how is the movie experience today different from what it was, uh, say, three to five years ago, just going into the theater? Um, I think it's, it's – it's, I would assume uh, – I haven't really gotten into going to the movies until the past couple of years, but I would assume it's, like, less active, I guess. I mean, probably not – obviously not as inactive as, like, during the pandemic and everything – but um, I don't know. It's interesting. I, the, the best movie experience I ever had was I went to Sidewalk Film Festival this uh, summer. And oh, cool. uh, it was really cool to watch a bunch of movies with a bunch of people who also were really into them. I saw that was probably my second uh, contender for my favorite movie this year was this comedy Bottoms. I saw it. It's, a, it's like this lesbian comedy, uh, lesbian high school comedy. And the, I saw like surrounded by like a bunch of like – queer people and everything and I was like okay this is like the best experience with which to watch that so uh, and, and I was just like I had never experienced that just at a normal movie theater which perhaps you could in years past but that was the only time I've ever experienced something like that okay I was just thinking uh, about gonna... like or ordering food and drinks and having them been served to you the... but yeah I, we, we've talked about that Matt so yeah let's let's move ahead well just uh When's the last time you've been in a theater? As long as they're going to take up this entire segment, <laughs> uh, probably like it's seven, eight years. Uh, my probably. son and I went to see Ford versus Ferrari, and I now look at the release date of that film. It was three years ago. But Lars, the seats in this particular theater I went to, and I th think most of them like this. The seats are unbelievable. I mean, they're they're like a lounge chair. 
you can kick back in them. They have all these cup holders. Now, I didn't go to one that would actually serve you, but the quality of the food and drinks and such are, are a lot better than they used to. But price you gonna yeah you gonna dry you gonna drop like seventy five bucks if you're yeah. gonna yeah yeah I usually don't even bother um, with that stuff. Do y'all sneak it in? Be honest. Sneak it in uh, snacks or sneak it in the theater? Yeah, sneak in no, not in the theater. <laughs> sneak in like uh, milk yeah. goods in your pocket. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Granola bars. Uh, yeah, I've always Cows. wanted to open up a store like next to a movie theater and just call call it Sneak It In <laughs> and just, just sell candy. <laughs> it's whatever Man, you, you want. You could go across America with that. Yeah, I know. And it's you could sell little idea. fanny packs to carry them in on. <laughs> uh, I think we've taken this as far as it needs to go. Here's yeah. my NFL quarterback question before we get to the break. By the way, Johnny Cogden of ABC 3340 will join us in just a couple of minutes. Who is Tommy DeVito? <laughs> he is the starting quarterback for the New York football giants. Amazing. I don't know anything else about him other than the fact that uh, uh, the giants did not have a very good plan at the backup position. Should anything happen to Daniel Jones and for the giants this year, it is, they've just been uh, absolutely devastated with injuries Saquon Barkley, uh, Daniel Jones now out for the year with an ACL, and it happens so late in the year. It could be difficult for him to get back for the start of next year. And so have we seen the last of Daniel Jones? Because uh, in New York, Giants are going into full tank mode, and they want to be there. So uh, they'll have a chance at either Caleb Williams or Drake May. Uh in the first round next year. I mean, I, I think the Giants, uh, they may lose every single game for the rest of the year. Um, but who knows? Maybe uh, maybe this kid will, uh, you know, summon some magic. Do you know anything about him? I can't imagine the pressure on this kid. Yeah. In New York. Undrafted. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's my focus on this. But he is an undrafted signed free agent out of Syracuse, and then he transferred to Illinois. As again, I said, they signed him as a free agent. He is uh, from Livingston, New Jersey. He is 25, which means I guess he played all of his COVID and all of his eligibility out. But if ever there was a guy at this point in the National Football League that I'm really pulling for, God, I hope this guy just does terrific. Because if he doesn't, Lars, what is the New York media going to do to Tommy DeVito? eat him up and uh there will be danny devito jokes and i saw this amazing stat i think something like 10 or 11 rookie quarterbacks have started this year in the nfl because of injuries and it's the most since i think 1950 really yeah it's it's an incredible stat i I need to double check it but it it, it's been a long time and we're only what uh no not even at the midway point of the season Good info. Everybody pull for Tommy DeVito this weekend, even if you're not a New York Giants football fan. Let's go to break and come back with ABC 3340's own Johnny Cogden. For Big Noon Sports coming up.
Hey, many of our interviews are sponsored by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, Advantage Realty Group. In fact, 24 hours from now, Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, will be with us at Innisfree, the Irish pub. And she has been all season long. We're there all football season. And drop by. I know, you know, the game is not at home, but there's still a game. You're going to be watching it somewhere. Watch it there and uh, enjoy some of their fantastic meal. I highly recommend the Shepherd's Pie. All right. We have uh, got Johnny Cogden online, ABC 3340. Actually, Johnny, I'm sorry, but it's been a couple, three weeks since we've had you on. How have you been? Had any kids since then? Just <laughs> Not that I know of. Uh, I'll have to double check, Whoops. but no, it's uh, it's been a minute. But I'm glad uh, glad to talk to you about uh, actual relevant Alabama football, where they're still very much in the uh, the playoff chase. And uh, big game last Saturday against LSU. I was lucky enough to be in the building to cover it, and uh, kind of a sneaky one Saturday up in Lexington against Kentucky. Not a lot of people are talking about it. Everyone's ready to book their tickets to Atlanta and get ready to play Georgia with or without Brock Bowers. But uh, some work to be done before that. Is this, by definition, a trap game for the University of Alabama? I think so. I, I think in the sense of because it's on the road, because it's an 11 a.m. kick, because this is a, uh, I almost said Lexington team, a Kentucky team that, although was undefeated for a good bit of the schedule, got absolutely stumped by Georgia. And I think after that game, because remember, people were, were legit high on Kentucky winning that game. They were both undefeated at the time. Georgia hadn't looked very good all season long. And then Georgia flexed their muscle and proved to everybody why they're the two-time defending national champs. Beat them like a drum. And then I think everybody decided that they were going to write off Mark Stoops' Wildcats. So is this a trap game? Absolutely. Does this mean, do I think Alabama has a shot in hell of losing it? Uh, I don't because Nick Saban doesn't lose trap games. It's one of the most impressive things of his almost, 15 years or so, 10 years since he's been at Alabama, is they take care of business in games they're supposed to win. You look at other powers, LSU's, Florida State, A&M throughout the time, they have fallen on weird, tricky games like this one, and they have lost, and their seasons have come to the end in many cases because they've slipped up in games like this. Alabama doesn't lose games like this. So again, although it's a trap game, which I will still call it a trap game, and it's been the question all week long, I, I still don't think there's a shot Alabama loses Saturday up in the, the Bluegrass State. What are your thoughts on the evolution of Jalen Milrow from uh, Texas game to not playing against South Florida to what we witnessed on Saturday night? Well, it, it's the quote I use all the time, and it's an old Bill Parcells quote, and it's confidence comes from demonstrated ability. And sometimes, like I've used the expression in the past, sometimes a shooter just needs to see the shot go through the hoop, and then it's that light goes off in your head, light bulb moment, okay, I can do this. And I think coming out of the South Florida game after he was benched, the Alabama coaching staff, and I think Tommy Reese deserves a lot of credit for this, and Nick Saban, obviously, the whole offensive staff, they have put him in position to succeed. You go back and you watch the tape against Texas, they were trying to use Jalen Milroe the way they'd use Tua Tungvaloa, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, and Bryce Young. And that's just not who he is. And th th they have tailored the game plan to put him in advantageous situations. And I think it's paying dividends. And when he's hitting some of these throws and when, when he's able to get these read options going and move the sticks and get the crowd involved, which I think has been a big part of the last two games against Tennessee and LSU, I, I think you're starting to see his confidence grow. 
And again, guys, I still think he throws the deep ball as good as any quarterback Alabama's had, maybe since Tua. Tua threw a beautiful deep ball. Mac Jones in 2020 threw a beautiful deep ball. And once he starts getting the respect of some of those linebackers and some of those safeties that creep up in the box, when there's a deep shot to be had, I'm as confident as Jalen Milrow as any quarterback in the country throwing that. There's still some real issues with that short to intermediate game right before he scampered for the touchdown uh, before the half. I think it was Burton that he missed wide open that he would have been able to walk in backwards to take the lead or add to the lead, I should say, and uh, he missed them. So there, there are still some of those throws where Alabama fans are going to want to rip their hair out. But on the whole, if you can't see the the maturation of him as a as a quarterback from the Texas game to when he stepped off the field last Saturday night, I mean you you don't know what you're looking at because he he is he is a completely changed football player. Johnny Cogden of ABC thirty three forty is our guest, and and this question is really for both you and Lars. Why did it take so long? I mean, you had Tommy Reese, you know, he was hired as the offensive coordinator, and Jalen. Milrow was a veteran. We'd seen him play before. Why did it take to the to three quarters of the way through the season for them to get this together? Well, I think they had to have a real come to Jesus moment in in the offensive scout room, in the sense of hey, we can't we can't continue to draw up plans like we have the last four years. This has to be a more conservative approach where we pick and choose our spots. And ultimately, I think the offensive line is is incredibly improved compared to what we saw the first few weeks. Remember, at SEC Media Days, guys like J.C. Latham were talking about this offensive line like it was going to be one of the greatest front fives Alabama's had under Nick Saban. And after a month of the season, we were all scratching our heads wondering what on earth is wrong with this group. Seth McLaughlin has figured out the snaps. They've kind of all set in their ways. Roberts is playing guard now. And I, I think Alabama's offensive line is as stout as it's been all season long. And I think Jalen Milrow has benefited because of that. And I think, uh, Matt, at the beginning of the season, it was very much a three-way quarterback battle. And the skill set that Jalen has is so different from the skill set of Buckner and Simpson that you kind of had to have an offense that was uh, traditional in terms of what Alabama's ran the last couple years with Mack and with Tua and, uh, and then... And I think this is the key moment of the season, and I'd, I'd love to get your perspective, Johnny. The key moment of the season was South Florida, and that was when yep. Jalen actually won over the team by standing on the sideline because the rest of the team saw what they got in these other two quarterbacks, and it was very abundantly clear that Jalen has to be the guy, and wow. then you can't just... Uh, you know, completely flip the switch and run plays that you haven't been practicing. It takes a little yep. time to get that get that into uh, sort of the regular rotation. And I think finally we we got what like if if they had decided on Jalen that Jalen was going to be the guy game one. I really think we would have seen the kind of play calling that we saw against LSU. Would, would you agree with, with all of that? Absolutely. And guys, I, I know Alabama fans don't want to hear, but we cover Auburn as well here in Birmingham. And we're seeing some of the same stuff with Auburn. The last, this was the first week that Peyton Thorne took every single snap for the Auburn Tigers. And he played a pretty good game with the exception of one bad pick six. It's the assurance of every single time you make a mistake, you're not looking over your shoulder to say, oh God, is coach about to put me on the bench? And, and I think although Jalen Milrow was the starter to begin the year, there was a lot of chatter from not just 
the fans, but I think there was many members of that Alabama team that said, all right, is this it? What do we got? What, what, what What's coming behind them? Is, is there more to be had? And then after seeing Tyler Buckner in South Florida and, and Ty Simpson in the second half of that South Florida game, I think everybody kind of came to the same realization that, hey, this is our guy moving forward. Is he an NFL caliber quarterback like we've been lucky enough to have for the last five, six years? Decades. Probably not, but guess what? He's the best that we have, and we're putting all our chips in the middle of the table, and we're going to sink and swim with number four. And I think that confidence has really shown on the field these last few weeks. All right, this is a statement from Matt, not y'all, but it just puzzles me a little bit, and I don't want to sound like one of those 90-90 boo-boo Alabama fans that posts all this negative stuff on social media. But the difference between Milrow, uh, Buckner, and Simpson is so obvious now. It seems like to me that under a microscope back in the spring, they'd have seen that then. But how many games have I won? Nada, zero. That's just a, a little perspective from my end. So, well, I, I would just comment I, on No, I, I'd just say that some guys are really good practice players. And some guys are terrible practice players. And then once the, the lights come on, on on Saturday, they're amazing. And I, I don't know the behind-the-scenes dynamic of, of what they were seeing in practice. But oftentimes what you do uh, see in practice is not necessarily what you see in the game. And I do think uh, Nick Saban promised both um, uh, 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 Simpson and Buckner a chance. I, I do. I think he, he said, I'm going to give you a legitimate chance. And then the South Florida game was perfect because uh, Alabama is such a, a superior team athletically talent wise all across the board that he could afford even though it got dangerously close to oh my god this could be the the biggest upset of the season territory but i think nick saban just wanted to give them a chance and more importantly i think he was sending a message to his team maybe nick knew what he was going to see and therefore then it'd be really easy to pivot to jalen does well, it, that does, just really I, does make him the greatest of all time. I mean, well, that's... I mean, that. But you but, know what? But, he probably did. And, 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 and then let's go back to when Jalen Hurts played the majority of the season over Tua when Tua was absolutely destroying it in practice. Right. And the coaches were begging him, put in Tua, start Tua. And... And Nick was just, uh, you know, going to go with the guy who had experience. And um, and and I think he just, uh, I, I believe, and I, this is not reported fact, but I think he just told the, both Simpson and, and Buckner, I'm going to give you a shot. And, uh, and that's how it shook out. But, I, I, Johnny, I, I defer to you. What, what is your analysis of all of that? Uh, you know, it, it's not a patient fan base. And why should it be? It, it's a traditional blue blood program. Look at the New York Yankees this year. They have won 82 in 80 year, and everybody in the New York tri-state area wants to fire uh, Cashman and Boone. They want to blow it all up. So I get it. Our, there are high expectations, and they exist for a reason. But that week about South Florida, and that, that's kind of the turning point of the season. There's a reason Jalen Milrow didn't come into the game when Tyler Buckner wasn't playing well. It's because he had a terrible week of practice from everybody we talked about. He moped. Yeah. He, he, he was he was down on himself, but it's how he handled himself in game 
his, his positivity, the way he, he uplifted the guys on that team that really gave that coaching staff the assurance that, okay, we've seen what we had. It's not good. It's your job, and let's move forward. Because as great as Jalen Milrow has been, let, let's not forget, there's a reason he didn't come and replace Buckner in that game. is because he, he sulked in practice. And I get it, guys. He's a young kid. What are you, 19, 20, 21 years old? I mean, these are these are kids that have fragile egos. And when you're benched as the starting quarterback at Alabama after throwing two picks on national TV against Texas, your home state, I mean, that that's going to take a toll on someone. So to, so to have the, the mental fortitude to be able to handle all that, come back, and then last Saturday to play one of, in my opinion, one of the most consistent games that Alabama, Alabama quarterback has played under Saban's era. I mean, four rushing touchdowns to beat LSU to take the inside track of the NCC West. Record. I mean, that was a special performance. Yeah, you are so right. I can't believe when I heard that, that one of those fine wishbone quarterbacks back in the 70s did not have at least four, if not more. All right, I want to bring you back, Johnny. Can you can you hang on another 10 minutes? Can do. Okay, uh, Johnny Cogden from ABC 3340 is our guest. When we get back, I want to tell you what a national championship college football coach thinks about one Jalen Milrow. Pretty cool. You're listening to Big News Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds increasing this afternoon, the high in the upper 70s, around 78. Cloudy tonight, the chance of a few scattered showers, the low at 58. A cooler day tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times. The high tomorrow afternoon is 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Johnny Cogden from ABC 3340 is our guest on Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson with you. Urban Meyer's quote, Jalen Melrose is the best athlete in college football. Johnny, is he right? Oh, God. He might He might be I straight line. I mean, that, that, I hate to give you a wishy-washy answer. I'm kind of... Maybe, maybe Travis Hunter, when he's healthy at Colorado, being able to play both ends of the ball, uh, both sides of the ball, I should say, at a high level. But I, I will say, and I was at Mississippi State this year in Starkville when, when Jalen took that bad snap low and just said, the hell with this play, I'm putting my head down and I'm going. And his ability at the second level to just explode, to hit that next gear and outrun players in the secondary in the SEC, I mean, that, that's special straight-line speed that I don't think we've seen at the quarterback position for Alabama. Blake Sims had a little of it. J- Jalen Tua, Jalen could run, but he wasn't booking takeoff speed. Tua was mobile, but not straight line speed. And same with Mack and, and Bryce. They weren't necessarily take off and, you know, run 60 yards down the field. So, you know, I won't argue that point. I think he's as good of an athlete as anybody that plays college football this season. I agree. Yeah, and uh, the things he did on Saturday night, we just – you haven't seen a quarterback do where you you bulldoze a safety and then you bulldoze a linebacker on your way into the end zone and then you you, you just drop a, a beautiful you know 30 yard pass down the field like and and i think it's important to note jalen considers himself a passer first and uh and i would not be surprised if he 
makes a kind of improvement that Jalen Hurts did at the position. And um, well, and, Dan Eno needs a job now. He can he can come work with him the same way he worked with Hurts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, on the other side of the ball, what, what did you think of Alabama's defensive performance on Saturday night? And and uh, in, in looking ahead to Kentucky, they obviously I think they're going to want to run the ball and try to control clock. Uh, how do you think the the matchup goes with the the Alabama defense versus Kentucky offense? Well, Lars, I've been so impressed with their ability to make second-half adjustments, something that early on in the season post-Texas first South Florida, I mean, the consensus was, does, does Alabama and Nick Saban not have a good staff around him? And what Kevin Steele's been able to do in the second half of these games, I know Terry on Arnold told us after the game that there wasn't much of Nick Saban yelling in the locker room at halftime. It was the big defensive coordinator, the veteran D.C. Kevin Steele, that was really letting him have it. And some of their ability, they, they got up into the receivers more in the second half. They didn't give LSU as many free releases as they did early on. I felt like they were playing more reactionary defense in the first half. And in the second half, they basically said, hey, we have a bunch of five stars out here at all levels of the position. Let's get in these guys and let's try to disrupt some of these timing routes and allow our pass rush to get home. And Jaden Daniels, guys, until he was knocked out of that game, I, I mean, I don't come out of this this Saturday thinking any less of him. I, I thought he was unbelievable in that first half. Their yeah. ability to go down the field with a minute and a second to take two penalties on that drive and still get in the end zone for six, I mean, th- that was special. I mean, this is this is the kid we've been talking about, Caleb Williams. We've been talking about Drake May and J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix in the NFL. I, is there anything that you've seen? And, Lars, I know you've been watching football a long time. He, he looks like a first-round quarterback to me. And I think Alabama did a really good job in the second half, and it really felt like once Dallas got his hands on that tip and it was picked off by Arnold, that was really the moment you could feel inside the stadium the collective sigh of relief, like, okay, they made a mistake, we're going to go score on this play, and we're really, really going to make this a difficult rest of the way for LSU. And that was the moment for me that really kind of put the clamps on the game. You yeah, there, I'll say right? I, I think Jaden Daniels is is going to be a terrific no NFL question. player. Matt and I were going back and forth on it, and I, I haven't dug into him uh, enough, but the guy just uh, he's a winner. He's a winner, and I know uh, yep. came up short and, and and got hurt on Saturday night, but wow, just w- what a what a great talent. But Lars, one more thing to the defensive point. Yeah, to, to the defensive point. That fourth down they ran in the first half. When they ran the play, I think it was around the 35-40 yard line, and they ran the same play that LSU scored on the two-point conversion last year when the line shifts to the right, Daniels rolls out, and they hit the tight end on that little end route, and this time Alabama was ready for it. Granted, it wasn't as big of a part of the game as it was two years ago, down, or last year, I should say, in Baton Rouge. But the, the ability to, to recognize what's happening and then act fast, I know it sounds simple, but when it's going a million miles an hour out there, when you say, okay, this is what they're doing. Okay, this is what I should be. This is my assignment. i got to break on the ball. To be able to do that as fast as Alabama has done in the secondary, I mean, it's impressive. And they've gotten off the field many times on these fourth and short situations this year. They did it to Texas earlier in the year. They, they did it to Tennessee. Uh, th- that should give Alabama fans a lot of credit that anywhere on the field, if the offense decides to roll the dice and take a chance, your defense is more than capable to step up and get off the field. Hey, was the crowd as loud as the the seismographs or uh, what do you call it, the decibel readers 
as when that on that pick for Arnold was it that loud? It it was it was thunderous. It, it was as loud as I've heard Bryant Denny Stadium. Oh, maybe since again I've only I attended the University of Alabama in 2014, graduated in 2018. So I get I don't have as long of a sample size as some people that have been going these games 25, 30, 40 years. But the, that's the loudest I've heard it in that stadium since the 2014 Iron Bowl when Blake Sims scampered in for a touchdown. That, in my mind, was always the, the, the tipping point of as loud as I've ever heard that building. That After that Arnold interception, that was like you got you know, goosebumps on your arms here in that building. It, the last few weeks against Tennessee, which I wasn't at, I was down at Auburn that day, I heard about it, and I said, can this building really live up to what happened Saturday in a revenge spot against Tennessee? And they, they they brought it. There's been some real juice in that building that really for a long time, let's call it what it's been. It's been a real wine and cheese crowd, as we used to call the Red Seat to Gillette Stadium when you were winning six Super Bowls with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And people get spoiled and people people look at it and say, oh, we expect to win. There was a real doubt going into Saturday night if Alabama was going to win that game. And that was an engaged crowd. And it really gave Alabama an edge. And uh, the players, of, of course, love playing in front of that energy. Um, let's go back to Auburn real quick. You, you, meant, you mentioned that uh, they are kind of sticking with one quarterback now, but just sort of big picture, how, how do you think Hugh Freeze has done in year one? With the talent that he had, and I don't need to tell anybody that follows this, this program quickly, he inherited an absolute mess. So all things considered, I think Auburn has won the games they should won, and they, they, they haven't overachieved, put it this way. They haven't stolen a win. The closest they came was Georgia. And then Brock Bowers took over in the fourth quarter of that game. The only critique or criticism I'd have a few freeze is he keeps talking about the future, and he keeps talking about we're just in year one, and we want to get bowl eligible, and he's recruit, recruit, recruit. And sometimes I think he forgets he's got a room of 95 men, some of those who – may not be back next year and some of those who are playing in their final year and they say hey coach we want this program to be successful in the future and we want you to get all these big chip recruits but what about us we're still here i know this is year one of a five plus year plan for you but i'm not going to be here next year and i think he really is so focused on the long game that's auburn job and this rebuild is a marathon not a sprint and I think a lot of times he's kind of neglecting the fact that he's got guys in that room that want to win now and are current members of this Auburn team. So ultimately, if I had to give him a grade so far, B+. Plus. They're winning games they should win. They're losing games they probably should lose. And they're, look, look out, guys. I mean, he, he's recruiting his behind off. And Auburn's going to get back to a place that they've been, been at for a long time. And they're going to continue to compete with Alabama, with LSU, Maybe if A&M ever gets turned around because because he can flat out recruit and everywhere he's ever been, they've won. Um, but this year, again, this is not the year to, to be to be bullish on Auburn, especially late in postseason play. Hey, great job, Johnny. Where are you headed this weekend? You going to Lexington or Fayetteville? No, it's funny. We're actually not traveling. This will be my first Saturday off since I've taken the job two years ago. So you know what? I'm going to have a mimosa and watch the game at home with my girlfriend. Good for you. you Good for you. Well, cheers. Bottoms up. Thank you, Johnny. guys, have a great day. Thanks for talking to us. Have a good one now. Thanks, Johnny. All right, Lars. The Big Ten and Michigan have literally decided. Did you ever see the... It was uh, Andy Griffith uh, episode where Opie and the kid was picking on him. And he said, knock this off my shoulder. And he knocked it off his shoulder. And the other kid 
Here's a line. Step inside this circle. It just feels like these two guys, these two outfits are squaring off, and I just wonder where it's going to end. We'll talk to Lars about that in a moment. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. Vikings star wide receiver Justin Jefferson, who has missed the past four games due to a hamstring injury, said that he can't yet put a date on when he might return. He said he wants to be 100% before he returns, but he also still calls himself day-to-day. Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson says his shoulder is still a work in progress ahead of their Week 10 matchup against the Ravens. Week 10 of the NFL kicks off tonight for Thursday Night Football as the Panthers take on the Bears. Rookie quarterback Tyson Bajan is expected to start for Chicago. The NFL has informed all 32 clubs that draft-eligible underclassmen will now be allowed to participate in college all-star games. This is according to the NFL Network. Any underclassmen granted eligibility for the 2024 NFL Draft can be invited to play in the East-West Shrine Bowl, the HBCU Legacy Bowl, and the Senior Bowl. No other all-star game is allowed by the league to invite underclassmen. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Welcome back into the program. Hope y'all are having a fabulous day. Got some nice weather. Maybe we can get some rain over the weekend. I certainly hope so. We need it. And wildfires are uh, are everywhere. Uh, they're still working on the one right there in Tuscaloosa over near Brookwood. So prayers go out to those people in uh you know, particularly the firefighters. Lars, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but can you imagine fighting a fire for a living? I just That's no. just something, I'm sorry, I don't have enough courage to do that. No. And the men and women that do are special kind of people. So, And have you ever uh, been a part of a fire, like with fireworks or been like in a field where... Um, a fire breaks out. It is absolutely terrifying. When I was younger, uh, I, me and some buddies were shooting off fireworks out in the Nebraska countryside, and and a, I think it was a bottle rocket landed 
in in like a wheat field and it exploded right on the ground and that explosion caused uh, some really dry uh, wheat to start to burn and it spread so fast matt and it was just there was just nothing we could do to try to and it was next to a creek and you know so we we're just try, trying to get water on it water on it and it was it was terrifying um and uh yeah got in a little bit of trouble were you for that able one. to uh control it or did you finally <laughs> no have to call no the i had no i had to call the fire department oh to, my. And this is before that butt got whipped this this was before the cell phone before we all had phones right and we were uh maybe 16 oh years old so we had to run to the closest sort of farmhouse and have them call 911. And by the time they got there, uh, a, a good bit of this wheat field was uh, gone. Oh, my. And, uh, yeah. And it was one of my, wow. it, I didn't, I, I was being careful. It was one of my idiot friends. I, I, I promise you it wasn't me. But nonetheless, I was there. And it's just like, you know, if you're in the uh, the car at a bank robbery, you're as guilty yeah. as the bank robbers, right? And so and I was uh, as guilty as everyone else. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we got in a little bit of trouble for that one. Yeah, we did something similar down by the creek behind our house, and the bank started on fire. And we didn't think much of it because it was a small, but then a burst of wind came up and the next thing we knew the entire bank was on fire and we were about to run to the house to get them to call somebody when my my brother came up with this great idea there were three of us down there and we all took our t-shirts off wetted them in the creek which is right there by the fire yeah. and beat it beat it down now and you were able to thank- do it we were able to do it and then uh, my brother was a pretty smart fellow when it came to mischief to mischievous, what am I trying to say? Mischievousness. Uh, mischievous behavior. Yeah. And then later, we came home without T-shirts and, and, and managed to get one on, but we had to do something about washing them. And he waited. He hid those T-shirts until my parents like went out to dinner or something, and he washed them. He got us all out of trouble. Good for Kevin. All right, Michigan. Golly, Lars, they're just squaring off. Is somebody ever going to really throw a punch? Michigan has now sent a 10-page letter to the Big Ten office saying, in a sense, and this is actually close to being a quote, they want them to refrain from premature disciplinary action. And in the meantime, other member institutions of the Big Ten are pressing the Big Ten to go ahead and drop the hammer. Yeah. And uh, the Big Ten could rule really as soon as this evening or as soon as uh, tomorrow. And uh, in Michigan, they their lawyers are they're ready uh, to to pounce here. And uh, and this is according to ESPN. And uh, they really have been on top of this story. Pete Thamel and Dan Murphy. Um, and uh, what they're reporting is that uh, that the expected punishment for this uh, sign-stealing program that was run by former analyst Connor Stallions is going to be a suspension of coach Jim Harbaugh. Now, the length of the potential suspension is still uncertain, 
But, I mean, Harbaugh already served a three-game self-imposed suspension at the start of the season in response to recruiting violations. And during that suspension, he was only prohibited from coaching the team on game days, right? So, But he could be around the team all other times of the week. And uh, what sources have told ESPN is that Big Ten athletic directors have made it very clear to... Uh, uh, the Big Ten commissioner that they want any suspension of Harbaugh in this case to be much different and that uh, they are pushing strongly for Harbaugh not to be allowed to enter the facility or coach any aspect of the team at any time during the suspension. Um, And so if uh, uh, Petiti, I may be butchering his name again, the Big Ten commissioner. If the Big Ten, if if he does suspend Harbaugh this week, and so it'd either be today or tomorrow, uh, that Michigan has been preparing to challenge the ruling in court, right, to keep Harbaugh on the sideline for the game on Saturday against. Penn State at Penn State at number 10 Penn State it's Michigan's biggest game of the year to date and uh, and so uh, Michigan they have uh, Michigan's lawyers Harbaugh's lawyers they already have a legal rebuttal written and uh, and what they're going to say is that they're uh, they're going to request a, a preliminary injunction seeking to prevent the suspension based on the fact that due process was not afforded to Jim Harbaugh. And uh, the, the, here's complicating things a little bit. Um, Friday is a court holiday. And so uh, if in, in this, the Big Ten commissioner, he may wait till like say Friday at 4.30. <laughs> to issue this suspension um, that Michigan, they would have to uh, find a judge and ask for a, a ruling on a, on a, on a, 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 a what's called an ex parte ruling on a temporary restraining order. And that means that the judge could make a decision after hearing Harbaugh's ar- argument, even before the lawyers for the Big Ten could have a chance to respond. And this most likely uh, would occur in a circuit court in Ann Arbor. Um, the other, it, it, or the Big Ten could opt to go to federal court, and uh, and you know that that may be a better option for them actually. But um, it's uh, <laughs> so. Let's just say the issue comes down on Friday. And then you got to find a judge willing to, to, to take this on, like Friday night, Saturday morning. And uh, according to uh, sort of uh, legal minds, that the temporary restraining order, the case for it, they'd have to weigh four factors. One, the likelihood that Michigan would succeed in the lawsuit in the end. Who knows? proof of irreparable harm if the suspension is in place while waiting for a trial. I think that think you could prove that, uh, or you certainly make that argument. What the harm would be to each side if the injunction isn't issued. I think they can make that argument. And whether the public interest is being served by granting it. 
and that one that that's a more murky issue so do i think that harbaugh will be coaching this weekend i do i do too and i don't think suspending him for the rest of the season or whatever is enough the i don't either but he's done yeah. I, I I agree with you 100%, but I just I don't see the Big Ten basically uh, telling Michigan that you are ineligible to play in the Big Ten championship game. I don't game think so either. And Is you're ineligible. Yeah. So that, that would have decision. to come to the college football committee or the NCAA. It may just come down to the college football committee, and they've already been washing their hands of this. So I think Michigan is going to be good to go. And you know what? If Harbaugh gets suspended for the rest of the year, is that that big of a deal? It wasn't at the beginning of the season. Of course, the opponents were a lot. Yeah, they didn't play anybody. But, I mean, is it in the best interest of the Big Ten and its member institutions to not win a national championship? Yeah. Lots of plates are spinning up there in Michigan. We'll be back. I want to talk about Peyton Manning. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds increasing this afternoon, the high in the upper 70s, around 78. Cloudy tonight, the chance of a few scattered showers, the low at 58. A cooler day tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times, the high Tomorrow afternoon is 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Lars, Matt, Noah bringing you the show here. Bottom of the hour, we'll be talking to Reagan from R&R, the Cigar Mansion. And we'll go through our picks. We're going to do that. Lars, I think you and I absolutely walk the same line when it comes to our thoughts as Peyton Manning. His accomplishments on the football field are well documented. The only time I ever really pulled against Peyton Manning was when he was playing against Alabama or the Packers. And that was rare. But he is just such a magnet when he gets in front of a television. I mean, he hosted the Country Music Awards last night. Did you know that? I did not. I'm not, a, not and, a big country uh, guy. And Luke Bryant. Well, the country today is more pop, if you ask me, but I'm not going to get into genres here. But, I mean, he's hosting a nationally televised award show. And he's doing commercials that are funny. And he's been on Saturday Night Live. He did one of the funniest skits I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, his brother Eli, they're, the Mannings are so likable. And nobody would know that better than you because you did a book on the Mannings. Did you see their popularity 
across all lines. They're not just popular in the football sense. They're popular with all people from all walks of life all across America. Did you see their popularity coming when you were writing your book on the Manning family? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because both of them just have this uh, amazing sense of humor. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a bit of a nasty pra- practical joke uh, that Peyton. I, I, you know what? I shouldn't go into it. it. It's probably it's not it's not a PG thirteen practical joke, but uh, it's something that Peyton did on uh, Steve Walsh, who was his backup quarterback for a while at Indy. And um, well, I'll just I'll, I'll give the broad strokes it, of it. Was it? Sparky Lyle like no I don't even want to go that way so it it, it, uh so apparently Steve Walsh was just obsessed with uh brushing his teeth and uh and and just um like did it you know several times a day and so Peyton um Peyton gets his toothbrush and um uh this is pretty crude. So if you've am I, children am I gonna in the car, throw up here? Yes. Yeah. You we might. might want to dance around this one. Okay. Uh, no. It takes his toothbrush and Don't did something. Did something to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did something to it um, and uh, took a picture of it and then uh, put a different toothbrush back in his locker. And and he Peyton took a Polaroid of this toothbrush that was uh, submersed in some water with some other things, and uh, and and then it was a Polaroid. And as Steve Walsh is brushing his teeth, which what's with which is what actually it's a new toothbrush, but he doesn't know that. Peyton just strolls by and drops the Polaroid, and Steve Walsh oh, just. Man. That yeah, is I, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. But at least he didn't do it in real time. No, no. But Still, like, but oh but Payton was always looking for ways to mess with people. Uh, I would have and, my locker padlocked for the rest of my career. And uh, and the thing is, they all get their sense of humor from Cooper. He's the funniest one of yeah. the bunch. And well, Olivia. Say, and Olivia. Cooper was the best athlete. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he was a wide receiver at Ole Miss, and then uh, unfortunately had uh, spinal stenosis. And he was lucky that, uh, with a couple of hits that he took before he got that diagnosis, that um, that he didn't end up in a wheelchair. But um, but, but and you know Eli, he, he's always the he's always been the quiet one, uh, but. He's the one who's always sort of plotting, too, because he he is very clever. His sense of humor is so subtle, and in and I now I'm just addicted to the Manning cast for Monday Night Football. Me too. Like I I I, I absolutely no no because they're so funny. Uh, because they still have like the sibling rivalry thing going on, right? Even though. Uh, Peyton is so much older than Eli, but it, it's just so 
uh, uh, the, the, the dynamic between them is just great and it's so fast and and it's just Eli giving Peyton a hard time and I'd almost give Eli the 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 edge here if you're keeping points as to who is winning the the sort of comedy debate between the two I think Eli is uh, and uh-huh. I don't know if you saw it last week where Eli he has that board where they do uh, the predictions and if you get the prediction right you get your uh, your your face on the board and he had this uh, this this cutout of Peyton, and his forehead was like three feet long. And, and he put, and then Keyshawn so Jackson. So it's an actual photograph. Yeah, it's an actual photograph. <laughs> and then his forehead is so big. And then uh, Keyshawn Johnson came on, and it was really cool because it was three guys who were picked number one overall, and and two of them played in New York, Eli and Keyshawn. And, uh, and then Keyshawn got the um, prediction right. And instead of like putting it on the board, he it, it, Keyshawn's face actually fit on Peyton's forehead. Oh, great. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so Eli is just constantly busting on Peyton. And it's just, uh, it, it is so fun. And uh, it just, I, you know, it goes back to just, they have great parents. And uh, I, when I was writing the book, I had just had Lincoln, and uh, the main character in the book really is Archie, and uh, I just felt like I was learning how to become a really good parent, you know, because of of what Archie went through in his childhood and all the trauma and the difficulties he had with his dad, and he just told himself, I'm not gonna be like my father. And he went out of it, and his dad never told him he loved him. Uh, I've mentioned this before. And and Archie went out of his way every day, uh, even when he was playing with the Saints, to tell all of his kids that he he loved them every single day. And every time he talks to them to this day, every conversation is ended with him telling them that he loves his kids. Just and and Olivia is the same way. I mean, just beautiful people. No question. And. I'd like to get a review. I haven't read any on how Peyton did last night. One of the things that I really, really like about Peyton Manning is he is so comfortable playing a nerd. He does not mind poking fun of himself. And in that commercial, when he's talking with the country music star about writing jingles and stuff, he plays a perfect little football nerd. So. I and have you know, a lot of Matt, respect for the Manning. And, and, you know, Matt, you and I have done a lot of public speaking over the years. And I always try to begin with like kind of a self-deprecating joke that makes me look like a complete idiot. Because it's like, then you got the crowd, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and Peyton Manning is, is the most self-deprecating guy on television. <laughs> I love it. Just- makes him so likable. I bet his Q rating is off the charts. Yeah. Hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports when we get back. It's time to put our picks on the line with R&R the Cigar Mansion. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Heading for the pylon. Get the race. Wins the race. Touchdown, Alabama. Built by Bama. The 
Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide head to Lexington to battle Kentucky. Our coverage begins at 8 a.m. on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Hi, From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is indeed, and it's Thursday, so we're going to bring Reagan from R&R, the Cigar Mansion, right there on 6th, downtown Tuscaloosa. Fabulous place to just go anytime, but especially during football games, of course, they give the Alabama-Tennessee game. It's just due in that rivalry. All right, we're going to start off, we're going to do our picks, but first of all, I think, speaking of picks, I think Lars has a bone to pick with you, Reagan. Oh no, I don't. I just uh I'm just kidding. I I have to uh bow to the master here um who after uh he went 4-0 last week and that last game finished, I think it took him all of about uh, 15 seconds after the final whistle to uh send a a chest pounding email to our text message to you and I, but Reagan 4-0 I give you, I give you credit. 4-0. 4 0. 4 0 last four-no. week, Reagan. 4 0. You know, uh, some weeks you just have it. This week, you know, the Phoenix was my dear. So, you know. <laughs> well, for the season now, um, Reagan and Matt, you are tied. You're at 20 and 20. You're back up to 50%. Uh, Matt, you were 2 and 2 last week, and I was 2 and 2. Uh, and so my uh, record has uh, fallen all the way to 30 and 10, which uh, constitutes a 75% winning percentage against the spread. Amazing. I still think, I think though, last week, the reason I had my worst week at two and two is that, um, and this was at Reagan's suggestion, and I think it's fair that I went first in picking the games. And, yeah. uh, and then, uh, well, any, I think any, that any, you're the leader. You should go first. <laughs> I think we keep that up. I agree. Up. I yeah. agree. Um, you're so good. You're telling people in Vegas to hire you. You should be the first one to tell them. You know, you, Reagan, your pick when this come first, first. When this first started in the first couple of weeks, I said, dang, this yeah. is good. But there ain't no way it's going to last. We're yeah. two-thirds of the way through the season plus, and he's still at 75%. You know what you ought to do? You ought to hire Lars to sit on your porch and hand out his wit and wisdom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know what? I think he'll accept payment in bourbon. All right, let's get to the picks. All right, first game is uh, Utah at Washington. It's oh, a little bit yeah. of a tricky one because uh, Washington is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. And there's just something about this Utah team uh, that I really like. However, going into Seattle, playing in that stadium, which is one of the loudest stadiums in the country, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I think Washington wins, but I think it's close. I, I'm going to go Utah in this one. Matt, how about you? Um, for almost the exact same reasons I am as well. I think the Huskies will win the game, but it will be under nine and a half. Reagan. 
you already know what I'm going to say. How dare you bet against Phoenix? You, I mean, the greatest. This is the only reason why we pick Washington every week, right? Yeah, I can't believe they still let me pick pick Washington game. I thought for sure after last week y'all were going to say Reagan's not allowed to pick Washington anymore. But guess right? Guess what? I got another week of it, and I am going with Phoenix. He is mighty. He's good. E consonant I. It's a hard E. Phoenix all the way. All right. So look, I hear what you're saying about close game. Uh, Utah. Look, Utah hasn't really kept it close all year for a lot of games. You know. Um. And I, I don't know. I don't see it this week. It's home nine and a half. I don't really care. Um, Washington. I think Washington at this point knows. Like, look, you're undefeated in your fifth again, and you've played and you've beaten ranked teams. Like, hello, Ohio State. Oh, hello, Michigan. Uh, I think Washington comes out. They say, hey, you know what? We need to start making a statement because the because the dummies at the CFP aren't giving us any respect. Even though we keep beating all these teams and even though the Big Ten teams haven't played anybody. So, yeah, I'm going with Washington. Statement win this week and maybe they get into the top four of the CFP. Uh, Yeah, I think they will if if they can uh, thoroughly handle Utah. And that's certainly a possibility because uh, another strong performance by Penix will go a long way to getting him uh, winning the Heisman Trophy. Although... Matt and I were talking about this yesterday. I really think it's ultimately going to come down to that Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Washington in a rematch. And I think whoever wins that game, the quarterback is in a – whoever wins that game is going to go to the college football championship, and the quarterback is going to end up winning the Heisman Trophy. Um, Is there any part of you, by the way, that is pulling for Bo Nix to win the Heisman? Absolutely not. I could have had for him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you've you've expressed your feelings about Bo. All right, here we go. Uh, this is uh, to me the most interesting game of the weekend, and that is Michigan at Penn State. Michigan is favored by five, so Penn State's getting five points at home. Uh, Michigan is uh, embroiled in the uh, sign stealing sign stealing scandal. Uh, triple S there and uh, I think there's a chance that Harbaugh may not be on the sideline for this but it, it's been my experience uh, in, in paying close attention to college football over the years is that when a team is sort of marching toward potential national championship and there is uh, this sort of cloud following them this whiff of scandal it actually brings the team closer together and acts as a galvanizing force. And so I think Michigan goes into, uh, goes, goes into Happy Valley and I think they win by double digits. So I, I'm going to go Michigan. I think the entire country is pulling for Penn State. I'm pulling for Penn State, but I think Michigan gets this one done. Matt. I am... Um I'm on Penn State. 
Uh, I just think with all the – just I'll take the Nittany Lions mainly because those fans are going to be ripping it. And I yeah. think that's going to make a huge difference. So yeah, and that, that's a really loud uh, Beaver oh. Stadium is really loud. They love, they love mm. the Nittany Lions. Mm. All right, Reagan. Reagan, what do you think? Sorry I had my mic away. Reagan, what's your Man. pick? Man, first it was Phoenix, and now it's the Beavers, baby. I like the home dog here. It's my second type of favorite dog. There's hot dogs, and then there's another dog, but we won't talk about that because I'm being good today. And I like the home dog. The Nittany Lions versus the Wolverine. I'm all in on the Nittany Lions. Look, Michigan hasn't played anybody all year. They have, like, one of the weakest schedules. It's week nine. They haven't been tested. Penn State's played some teams. Oh, and by the way, there's 110,000 people in that stadium this weekend. Uh, probably a whiteout. And I, I I don't know. I mean, like, Michigan, like, I, I don't see it. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with I'm with Penn State this weekend. Uh, I, I like them in the upset. Hey, quick trivia question for you guys. Do you know why the Penn State Lions are called the Nittany Lions? I think it's, it's because here. it's a uh, indigenous to the area, isn't it? A, is a, a Nittany lion? No, like, it's actually uh, based on uh, the lore of a Princess Nittany and the mountain beside Beaver Stadium. Isn't that it? Is that what it's called? Is that why Reagan was making fun of it? Anyway, there's a mountain <laughs> named after that princess, and it's Nittany Lion. Now there may be lions uh, on that mountain. I, I wasn't know, making but. fun of it. I was saying beavers, like beaver. We know Be- what you were saying. There's no explanation okay. needed, right? Yeah. Okay. But you said I was All making right. fun. I wasn't making fun. I Semantics, there, my innuendo. man. Semantics. Okay. All right. You're here the we lawyer. Go. You win. Let's move along. <laughs> Ole Miss at Georgia. Uh, Georgia is a ten and a half point favorite. Uh, seems like kind of a big number based on the fact that uh, Georgia was, what, 14 or 13 last week against Missouri. They did not cover that, uh, or maybe that was two weeks ago. I don't remember. Um, That was last week. Yeah, sorry. No, they were a 15-point favorite, and they didn't cover that. Uh, And Reagan was the only one that got that one right. Uh, But I think they're going to come out at home and play very well. Ole Miss is the only team in the SEC that Kirby Smart has not beaten. Uh, I think that changes on Saturday. And I I like Georgia, a team that I think is uh, really going to start hitting its stride here. No Brock Bowers again. Uh, That hurts, no question. But I think Georgia is uh, is going to win by two touchdowns. But that that is that that's a big number. That is a big number against yeah. a very capable Ole Miss team, Matt. I'm going with Georgia. They kind of if they play poorly, which um, I don't know if they played poorly as much as Missouri played well. But um, I think Georgia is going to get back to the form in which they beat Florida and. Um, who else did they just pound? But um, I think they're coming. Oh, they beat Kentucky's doors off. So long way of saying I'm taking 
I'm taking Georgia, and that's a lot of points to give up. Reagan, give us your pick real quick, and we'll come back and talk about Alabama. I am here, you know, Lane Kiffin today, $40 million lawsuit uh, over kicking a kid off the team. Uh, is that a distraction? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. I think Lane, maybe this is the week Lane coaches the game of his life. And uh, ten and a half, I like I like Pete Golding against Georgia's offense. You know, um, I think Ole Miss scores, and I like Ole Miss to cover this weekend. All right, Reagan, All right. you're uh, you're going against the grain here. Uh, I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, hey, let's, let's talk- uh, yeah let's come back and talk Bama Kentucky, Matt. On Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds increasing this afternoon, the high in the upper 70s, around 78. Cloudy tonight, the chance of a few scattered showers, the low at 58. A cooler day tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times. The high tomorrow afternoon is 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, we're doing our picks with Reagan Starner of R&R, the Cigar Mansion there on 6th in downtown Tuscaloosa. And, Reagan, I got to credit you here because you just broke a story as far as I'm concerned because it actually only came out about an hour ago. But you were talking about Lane Kiffin being sued by a former player. They've got audio. This is a big deal. Have you read about it now, Lars? I, have I just not. looked it up. Um, former player uh, DeSanto Rollins, I believe, was a lineman. Um, Kiffin kicked him off the team, and there is an audio recording of him, and he's claiming um, that uh, Kiffin had racial overtones in his statements and. Um, you know, uh, violated his rights. And Kiffin, I'm trying to get to the actual quote so I don't mess it up. But he basically said, I don't give a blanket about your rights. We'll kick you off the team. Uh, I'll ask Reagan, this is not a small deal. Okay. First of all, he said, go read your effing right about mental health. We can kick. He did not say, I don't care about your right. He said, go read your effing right. We can kick you off the team. Well, you're and an I attorney. I don't have a problem with what Lane Kiffin said. I don't have a problem with Lane Kiffin kicking him off the team. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, my understanding is, you can't just not show up, even if you are going through things. You can't just not show up and then say everything is fine or, or and then show back up when you want. Like, you can't just, like, you can't just go in, come out, go in at your convenience because you're dealing with some mental health issues. Like, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the mental health issues. Like, I think... That's like I'm. I mean, I went to law school. I I battled depression. I get it, you know. But 
if I hadn't shown up to class, like I would have been kicked out of class. Like, I don't know how it is with Lars, but like at UA, but I'm pretty sure even if you have, like you are allowed a number of skips, if you don't, if you are over your skips, but here we are with, you know, with athletes and, you know, uh, I have no problem with it. I think there is a certain amount of softness when it comes to things like this that we have, that we have, instead of making kids work through some things, we just tell them it's okay for them to just shut down and not be productive. And I mean, it's a whole very long, this, I'm trying to condense this into like two minutes. So like, it's, it's obviously a lot deeper than that. But I don't have a problem well, with what Lane did. And I hope they don't, I hope he wins the lawsuit. Well, I don't have a problem with what he said either or the fact that he dismissed him from the team. But legally, with this soundbite, this audio, it might be an issue. By the way, he is suing for $10 million in damages and $30 million in punitive. Enough about the lawsuit. Let's talk about Alabama, Kentucky. What's the line on that one? It's in Lexington. Lars. Yeah, the uh, line is uh, Alabama is an 11-point favorite. Um, as we've discussed, uh, this is the first time in a decade that Alabama has traveled to Kentucky. Alabama's coming off of a uh, emotional uh, big win against uh, LSU. And, uh, you know, it's I'm tempted to take Kentucky. Uh, I don't think Kentucky's going to win, but I think they can keep it close. But based on what I saw from Jalen Milrow on Saturday night, I and I'm rolling with the tide, and I think they are going to play really good. And I think, and 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 we saw this uh, coming out of the Tennessee game, the the last two quarters of that game, uh, the second half, the, how the offense played, and then the full game against LSU. Is you're just seeing so much improvement over these last six quarters, and they put together six consistent quarters of really good offensive football. I think it's going to continue, and I think Alabama wins this uh, and, and, and covers the game. Yeah, Lars, uh, I think it's all depending on how Alabama starts this. If they start off slow and they let the Wildcat fans get involved there at Commonwealth Stadium, then they may hang around. Then there's the other side. You just mentioned six really good, consistent quarters of play from this Alabama football team. You can see the coaching staff meshing with the line, meshing with the quarterbacks, meshing with the defense. Kevin Steele's doing a great job. I just think Alabama will will be able to stop Kentucky's run and probably win it by – I could see Alabama winning by 20. Reagan? Well, I mean, what a great win versus LSU. I think that LSU game was kind of cathartic for a lot of us because we have been begging to see that offense that Milrow ran, where it was just Jalen Milrow running the ball down people's throats and throwing it effectively. Um, I don't think that's an offense you can really stop. Um, I, I, I mean... And, I mean, arguably probably should have scored 50 
But, you know, whatever. Um, and and I just, Kentucky can't keep up. Kentucky's defense can't keep up. Uh, I like Alabama in a blowout this week over Kentucky. And, you know, enjoy your Kentucky bourbon. Always. That's where they make Basil Hayden, isn't it? All right. Uh, hey, Reagan, tell everybody where you are and um, what's the deal. Your new porch, you got everything going on. Man, we have so much going on. We are really, really excited about all of this stuff. Um, it's just, it's a great time at the mansion. And uh, we've got UFC fight after the Alabama game. We have, uh, we've got all kinds of things going on this week. I, I think we're going to be, we're going to cross the 160 bourbon threshold today. We got like a bunch of new Jeffersons coming in tomorrow. Um, and then some other cool bourbons that we've got. Um, we are just the bourbon mansion, the cigar mansion, the bourbon mansion, everybody's mansion. So. A uh, no really point. fun time to be around there. Reagan, our best to your family. Thanks. Lars and I may find uh, uh, a little time on Friday afternoon. I don't think any of us, either one of us has Friday plans. So maybe we'll see you Friday. Thanks for all you do. Thank you, Thanks, guys. Buddy. All right, you all right. Good stuff, um, Reagan. Um, well, I took Utah, Penn State, UGA, and Bama. What did you end up with? Yeah. Um, let's see. We both took Utah. I took Michigan. You took Penn State. Okay. We both took Georgia, and we both took Bama. So uh, we're in line here, which probably is bodes well for you. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> I can. I can. I can. I can based on results here. 30 and 10. Oh, I know. I thought you were going the other way, and it would bode well for me because I picked. Okay, I get it. Because I picked more than you did. Yeah, you you picked 75% of uh, the games that I did. All right, I know we got to get out of here. Yeah, we do. I'm still trying to figure out how Jelly Roll. Have you seen that guy? Is he a country musician? Crazy. (laughs) Let's do it again in 22 hours. See you, everybody. 